Welcome everyone to Wiki Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities, here with you on a show about the macabre, the mysterious, the strange, the unusual, and of course there's Lou. <laughs> there's Lou. There's always Lou. And then there's always Lou. Yeah. Um, of course, missing as always is my sidekick. We have the chair in the corner for our equivalent of Tiny Tim, which is Ken. So to he'll to be back though, right? He'll, he will be back eventually. I feel like it's the the promise that's never fulfilled on the show. <laughs> Ken's <laughs> just working hard. He's he's alive and well. Yes. He just unfortunately cannot be with us today. So, um, we are uh, getting a little bit closer to the holidays, and of course, uh, with that, it's it's a time of year where we talk about you know festivities, and you know we we think about. You know, all the great stories that we like to watch on TV, but there is a fair amount of them that have a scary notion to them. I mean, Scrooge, it's all yeah. about, you know, telling the, the scary ghost stories. So today um, it might seem a little bit macabre, but we're going to we're going to do it because it's the season of the strange <laughs> also. And of course, um, this uh, Saturday is winter solstice. So it's going to be the longest, darkest night of the year. And it's a perfect time to to talk about ghosts and scary things. Well, but Saturday, that's good. That means we turn the corner, though. We do. Yeah. We do. So the days will will start getting longer starting on the 22nd. So it'll be the the rebirth of the sun and of course um of course we have a snowstorm tomorrow <laughs> so it's a it's, yep. it's it's a it's a constant battle um, yep. with the weather but today um as william shakespeare would say we're going to talk of graves worms and epitaphs mm. and epitaphs have really been around since roman times and of course epitaphs are a way to memorialize the dead and um what would you, if, I know you're having the Viking ceremony <laughs> along the Merrimack, yeah. Lou, but if there was going to be a gravestone for you, say you don't even have to be buried underneath it, what would you want your gravestone to say? We're going to talk about strange yeah. gravestones and in history and some local ones that you should go check out. And I don't know. Being a writer, I would have to sit down and pick that out. You'd have to really pen that one out. Yeah, it's kind of it like getting a tattoo, right? That's true. That's true. It would probably be a quote. It would be a quote. It would probably be a quote. But you got to keep it short because engraving is costly. It is. They charge by the letter. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's got to be pithy. It's got to be yes. short and concise. Okay. So I'd have to come up with something. But this is kind of a lost art, isn't it? They don't epitaphs. No one does epitaphs anymore. No, it's it, it really depends. And it's funny because with the technology that we have right now, you can have anything put on a gravestone it doesn't matter what it is you know oh, the pictures that. That are incredible now everything's laser cut the yep. details are just phenomenal and um again kind of going back and they still charge by the letter of course they do oh, yeah it's still a money-making venture yeah. no matter how you slice it um but it is uh hi kathy um, but it is pretty amazing to think that even william shakespeare in his epitaph it's actually a curse have you Heard of the curse no. of Shakespeare's epitaph? No. So we'll we'll start with that. Did and Shakespeare write his epitaph? He did. Oh. He did. And of course, yeah. you know it's going to be good. So um, maybe we'll check back in with you towards the end of the show. You oh, might I think come up of with it during the show. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to, but kind of give us a little bit of an idea. Maybe. Maybe when they hit me with the flaming arrows and the the Viking burial at sea at the mouth of the Merrimack, maybe it'll light off a fireworks sign with. <gasps> That would be great. With a little saying. That would be great. And, and then it would just disappear, so you'd have to be yeah. there to see it. Yeah. Just kind of go off and, you know, in, in smoke and fire. That's pretty cool. Well, if I were going to do it that way, I can absolutely think of what it would be. Oh, well, what would it be then? I can't say it on the air. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can tell me during the break. It would be the final. Yes, the, yeah. the final send-off. <laughs> the final send-off. <laughs> My last words. We know it would be eloquently written. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. For our, our first foray into epitaphs, uh, of course, Shakespeare being the, the wordsmith and, um, you know, just such a huge influence, it, it's almost amazing to think that he considered that there may be someone who would be interested in digging up his body, and he actually put that right into his epitaph. Really? And that if you dug him up, there would be a curse upon you. So he is um, actually buried uh, at the Church of the Holy Trinity, and that's in Stratford-upon-Avon. Um, and really, it should be kind of taken a bit seriously. So his epitaph reads, Good friend, for Jesus' sake forbear, to dig the dust enclosed here. Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he 
that moves my bones. Ooh. Isn't that great? I just love it. What was he so uh, testy about? Was it, Is that a prestigious burial place? Well, it is a prestigious burial place, but consider, you know, the times. And, of course, we People talk about People just didn't it. want you messing with their... Well, we, we yeah. talk about it all the time. They would dig bodies up for all sorts of purposes. Grave robbing mm. was huge. Yeah. So he didn't want anything to happen to his remains. So he decided that he would actually put a curse on them. And um, it's it's funny because now in this modern age, people have actually proposed digging him up and taking a look at his bones. Um, there's a professor from one of the universities over there that said it would really be nice to take a look and see how he's decomposed and to do some forensic analysis on the bones of Shakespeare. Why? And I... What are we going to get from that? He, he believes that it's in the name, all in the name of science. Yes. So even all these hundreds of years later, after Shakespeare's death, I wouldn't be the one to move his bones with no. his... With his last words of a curse carved <laughs> on his gravestone, and and I think that's just um, that's just amazing to you know that that's how I want people to remember me. You know, yeah. blessed be you that come to visit me, and cursed be you that digs me up. Again, a writer who is going to put a lot of stock into those last words, the, those eternal words, mm-hmm. the last thing he's going to say, mm-hmm. and that was the thing that was important to him. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, it's fascinating. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great, and it's one of the the, the lesser known things. So if you uh, go to visit Shakespeare, leave him be. (laughs) Don't bring a shovel. Don't bring a shovel. So, um, of course, there are uh, lots and lots of epitaphs out there, uh, famous and infamous. And um, my friend from the Gravestone Girls, who we've had on the show previously, she's always posting pictures of some of the most amazing graves and some of the most amazing epitaphs. And um, you just you never know what you're going to find. And uh, the grave, uh, of course, for a gentleman named Andrew Olzak. Um, He was alive from 1895 to 1979. Uh, He really has his sentiments emblazoned on his gravestone, abandoned in old age by wife and children. May God be more understanding and merciful. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he can. He's expressing his potting, family's disappointment. Parting shots, baby. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it was like I'm all down with that. <laughs> I'm all down, I'm all down with, this, with yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> of course, you'll find um, some that are rather on the humorous side, like Rod- Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, come on, you know he's oh, yeah. he's going to have a, a good last word. Of course, there goes the neighborhood. Oh yeah. <laughs> Very simply, yeah. <laughs> simply stated. Um, there's an interesting story about um, the gravestone for a man named Nathaniel Grig- Grigsby, and um, he was a, an extended um, family member of Abraham Lincoln and a good friend of his. Oh. And uh, he blamed the uh, Democratic Party for his death, and his gravestone is actually expresses that right he on it. Blamed the Democratic Party for his own death, not yes. Lincoln's death. No, for his, his own, own death. death. Yeah. For his own death. And um, he dictated his own epitaph as he laid on his deathbed and made sure that he left it in charge of one of his sons that it was carried out. And uh, it says, through my inscription, I wish to enter my dying protest against what is called the Democratic Party. I have watched it closely since the days of Jackson and know that all the misfortunes of our nation have come to it through this so-called party. Therefore, beware of this party of treason. And right underneath it, it says put on in fulfillment of the promise to the deceased. Hmm. Oh, they put a disclaimer on it? They did put a disclaimer on it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. They ran a disclaimer on the poor guy's epitaph. Back in the 19th century. But, yeah, what else would it be? (laughs) You think someone forced that on the guy's grave? No, no, (laughs) definitely not. Then, uh, of course, you have— The um, views on this grave do not necessarily (laughs) reflect (laughs) those of— Wow. The, the the thoughts of the gravestone carver or the descendants of this man. Wow. They were politically correct back then. They were. They were. They were the Facebook of their time. <laughs> Underneath should have a little asterisk say hoax. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the next one is a gentleman who is a gunslinger. He was alive from 1840 to 1887. His name was Robert Clay Allison. Um, And he was one of the most accomplished gunslingers in the Old West. And he killed a fair share of people. And his friend said he never killed anybody who didn't have it coming. And, of course, his epitaph is similar in nature. He never killed a man that did not need killing. How's that for a statement? Oh, I like that. Do you like Is is that something, you know, you could get behind? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> he had it coming. What to year him. is this now? Uh, so he is 1847. Wow. See, I would have I would have figured that to be a like a new movie kind of line. <laughs> good for him. That is pretty good. I like that. Um, let's see. That's Clint Eastwood. Is <laughs> definitely they never killed a man that didn't need killing. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll move uh, we'll move ahead um, to 1993. A uh, gentleman named Cecil Odell Eads, uh, December 14th, 1934 to September 4th, 1993, and you can tell who commissioned this gravestone. The epitaph simply reads, "My brother was good at pissing people off." <laughs> so his brother commissioned. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> last one of his brother. Classic. Yeah. Classic. See, that's what you need to avoid. Mm. You need to avoid someone else writing your epitaph. Yeah, you you would definitely have definitely. to. I mean, I can't even imagine. Well, actually, the next one is is just that. Yeah. So, um, this is uh for Herman Harband, and this is this is pretty bad. Um, and uh -huh. of course, uh, the uh, it's it's more of what they would call a centigraph. So it's it's more of a memorial than a gravestone. And I have um just in a couple minutes, I'll read to you some centigraphs that are here in New England that are are very much over the top. And um, he insisted uh, that this gravestone uh, be placed. And, of course, she's not buried underneath it. Uh, and it's in Hollywood, Florida. My wife, Eleanor Arthur of Queens, New York, lived like a princess for 20 years, traveling the world with the best of everything. When I went blind, she tried to poison me, took all my money, all my medication, and left me in the dark, alone and sick. It's a miracle I escaped. I won't see her in heaven because she's surely going to hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it's so cool. I kind of like it. Am I giving you ideas yeah, for, for, for future like memorial it. stones? Yeah. So, I so, got a few things I'd like to say to people. That I, I bet you do. I guess that's saving for my gravestone now. <laughs> or, or, or for your centigraph. So oh, my centigraph. So just, just the memorial. Yeah, so give us the primer on centigraph as opposed to... So, so a gravestone, of course, is placed on the grave. Right. A centigraph is a memorial stone where someone would purchase the piece of property and just have the stone with whatever they wanted to without the burial taking place beneath it. Would, oh, okay. So it's a gravestone so where there's no grave. Right. Or, yeah. or it's a memorial stone. So um, yeah. the one that I'm going to share with you in a few minutes actually stands on the site of where, the, where a murder had happened. Oh. And it, it tells the story. And, of course, it's the memorial stone. Which, of course, references the death that subsequently so followed. So I could buy a few feet in Market Square and Newburyport. You totally could. Put that. For everybody to see when they're yeah. out and about. One and of those hitching posts they have there. Maybe I can put a, a plaque on one of those. You could indeed. Yeah. I'm giving you some ideas now. Yeah. <laughs> Good forum for my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, what do you think would be on uh, Leslie Nielsen's grave? He died uh, in November 2010. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it actually says, let her rip. Oh, nice. Yep. Get it? R-I-P? Yep. Yep. And there's actually a bench um, next to his grave that says, sit down whenever you can. Yep. I like, don't call me Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. I like yeah. that, too. Oh, my goodness. Um, let me see. Yeah. Why don't, uh, you would think most Hollywood people would be very um, demonstrative about their epitaph or you would other think. memorial. You would think. Um, well, Merv Griffin says, I will not be right back after this message. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Honestly, On his gravestone. Good for him. 2007. Yep. <laughs> so, there, so there are some that uh, poke a, a, a good humor at yeah. their career and, of course, what they did. That says something about a person, right, who wants to leave a little bit of a joke yeah, on the way out? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, I mean, how else can you – can you leave this world without, um, you know, thinking about the sadness that people are going to have? So just try to lift them up in some sort of commentary. Did you see um, uh, Pete Frady's died last week? Did mm. you see his father's eulogy? I did not. It was really good. It was an amazingly good speech. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I really liked about it is he got in the middle of the speech and he said, when we leave this place, when we walk out, because he was talking about, obviously, the fact they were dealing with ALS for a long period of time. There was a lot of grieving and a lot of grief and a lot of trouble that came with it sure um but he said we're, we're doing this and when we walk out of the church doors the grieving's done oh you know and it was just in it in it he didn't do it in a he did it in a very the whole thing was lighthearted and funny and, and right. very personable you could see where pete got his 
character from. His father's a very good man. But it's just, I just like that concept of, you know, we're going to do this. And, then, you know, and his thought was turn it from grieving to celebrating. Mm. Right? I think that's great. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, we're going to do this time. We're gonna, and that's the way you go through grief, by the way. You, you face it. Mm-hmm. You process it. Mm-hmm. And then you let it go. Well, I think seeing it with a, a little bit of a, a sense of humor, a little bit more of, of that lighter inspiration yeah. really serves the people very well. But but yet and still, it's... I mean, you don't do it just by saying it. I was going to say, it's it, it's it's not going to end overnight either. Yeah. But, but at least you, but you end you on a high note. You set your mind and you get... You, you, a lot of people don't feel like it's um, acceptable right. to let it go, let go of the grieving so, quote unquote, quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but nothing's going to change after you... No. You leave the church and you have the ceremony. No, nope, it's true. Yeah. It's true. You're, you're left with your thoughts and your memories and how yeah. you're going to process that. Yep. So, uh, of course, we'll, we'll jump over to uh, one of the, the gravestones that um, my friend had, had visited, and she may have mentioned it when she was uh, on the show. Of course, she went to Dee Dee Ramone's gravestone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, once again, in great humor, it just says, okay, I got to go now. He died in uh, 2002. Yep. So just, you know, basically <laughs> exit stage left. And what's that cemetery? Uh, Hollywood Forever. Hollywood Forever. Hollywood Forever, which is, place, yeah. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. And uh, she, I remember she had said it's not as big as you might think, but it's full of, you know, all the stars and all the luminaries. So it's definitely one that yeah. I would I would like to see. We and did a show about it, didn't we? We did. We did show we about did, it. Yep, so in the archives. Yeah, yep, we did so if you go back to the show. archives yep. and look up Gravestone Girls, you can listen to that show. Or go to Patreon. Yeah, well, you can go to Patreon as yep. well. Um, so, what do you think about uh, Jack Lemon? Oh, Jack Lemon. Jack, Jack Lemon. What might be on his gravestone? Ooh, it's ve- it's very very unique. Yeah. No. Okay. So, what do you got? I don't have a guess. So he wanted his gravestone to be his final marquee. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't oh. it doesn't have a birth date. It doesn't have a death date. All it says is Jack Lemon in. Ah. Get it in the grave. Yeah. Jack Lemon in. In. Yep, the that's lips it. At the end. That's yep, that's yes, it. That's, yeah. Just very simply stated. I like it. I like it too. Yep. So um what I want to do is I'm gonna pull out a few from um this this now old book of mine, which actually is is one that I, I wrote, God, probably fifteen years ago. Um and I, I covered a chapter on strange New England uh, epitaphs mm-hmm. and um some are hysterical. Some are a great way of looking at what was going on in the community at the time. Right. If there was a disaster or something of, of that nature, sometimes it was it was on there. And um, this is one uh, I had gone to Woburn, Massachusetts. And in the historical society, I found um, notes for this. And I couldn't couldn't believe it. And again, it's you know, it brings us back to 1807 in memory of mr joshua richardson who died july 14th 1807 aged 30 years this sudden death was occasioned by the fall of a house frame Mm. to the disappointment and grief of his father brother sisters and a virtuous female who he had anticipated for the partner of his life so he's trying to build a house and the house fell on top of him yeah that's all engraved on a stone that is all engraved on a stone wow and they went charging by the letter I know. Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, imagine the poor gravestone guy getting out of it. I know. Yeah. Well, he'd probably be set for a few months. Um, and that he is buried in uh, the second burial ground. And it was a three-story mansion. It was said to be one of the largest houses that they were building in town. And it was, uh, let's see, two sides of the mansion were not braced strongly when the timbers for the crown of the roof were being placed. The frame leaned to the west. Shortly thereafter, the witnesses at the scene stood shocked when the structure came crashing down, crushing several men who were inside. Mm. The screams of agony that broke the air and over 30 of the strongest men in town were injured with nearly a half a dozen being killed. So him wow. and other men, again, are found in the second burial ground, all with different epitaphs that describe what had happened in that disaster. Right. So pretty pretty amazing stuff when you can see. Six men dying in construction site. Uh, yeah, at that time must house. have been. Oh, yeah. devastating. Yeah. Devastating. All right, so uh, of course I'll save that one for a little bit later because mm-hmm. that one's very very close to us. Um, oh, of course, 
this is one of the classics and uh, a lot of people have heard this this is actually in milford connecticut mary fowler 1792 24 years old molly though pleasant in her day was seized suddenly seized and went away how soon she's ripe how soon she's rotten laid in her grave and soon forgotten wow how soon she's ripe how soon she's rotten wow pretty good yeah <laughs> a little to the point it's very much to the point <laughs> so that's but see that's someone telling out someone else telling a joke about you which in 1792 sure. yeah yeah true enough i mean that's I, mean, I don't know if she wrote it herself or not i'm guessing not i'm, I'm guessing not as well yeah. um of course uh my favorite in portsmouth is at um the point of graves it's for joshua lang huntress who is master of arms on the ship, the Ranger, that was built by John Paul Jones, and it says he bore a lingering sickness with patience and met the King of Terrors with a smile. Oh. And the King of Terrors was none other than death itself. Yeah, because they believed death was that physical entity that yeah. would come for you right. when your time was due, and they actually believed that he would stand over you on your deathbed. Um, and we have a lot of great epitaphs in Portsmouth, but I just I I love yeah. how simple that is. And he also has uh, carved on the gravestone a setting sun, which means it's the end of his days. Right. But yeah, oh, that's 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 my um, that's my favorite in Portsmouth. All right, so uh, let's see. God, I've got so so many in here. They're <laughs> all so good. Um, oh, so we'll go to um, Montague, Massachusetts, seventeen eighty six. So Montague is out in Western Mass, kind mm -hmm. of long route to, in memory of Mister Elijah Bardwell, who dies January twenty sixth, seventeen eighty six, in the twenty seventh year of his age. Having but a few days survived ye fatal night when he was flung from his horse and drawn by ye stirrup twenty six rods along ye path, you. as appeared by ye place where his hat was found and where he had spent the whole following severe cold night, treading ye snow in a small circle. Wow. So. Wow, that's quite a lengthy description. That is quite a lengthy description. Right there too. Mm -hmm. um, so when, he fell off. He was dragged by a horse, and then he got up and wandered around for a while till he died. Yep. Yeah. Yep, in the snow. Mm -hmm. When um, we had gone uh, recently to the Boston Public Library, they actually had a metal chain from back in the day that measured what the rods were, oh, yeah. which was pretty cool. It was all folded up. So, uh, of course, 1786, we didn't measure by miles. We measured by rods. Yeah, how long is a rod? Uh, it's it's just feet? no, oh. it's it's I believe it's just short somewhere short of, of a mile. It's like three quarters of a mile. Oh, really? Is yeah, it's it's pretty far. Oh, so um, yeah, I can't even imagine being dragged by a horse. For One of my friends when I was young, he lived on a road called Tenrod Road. Oh yeah, yeah, that's where I first understood the concept of rods as measurement. Yep, there is um in Rochester, there's uh, Rochester, New Hampshire, there's a Tenrod Road up there mm -hmm. as well. All right, um, let's see. Okay, so we'll go um, up to Vermont, since since Lou likes Vermont. We'll go up to a town called Felchville. He's got my son. I know. Yeah. On the 31st of August, 1754, Captain James Johnson had a daughter born on this spot of ground, being captivated with his whole family by the Indians. This, this is near the spot that the Indians encamped, and the night after they took Mr. Johnson and family, Mr. Larrabee and Farnsworth, August 30th, 1754. And Mrs. Johnson was delivered of her child half a mile up this brook. When trouble's near, the Lord is kind. He hears the captive's cries and subdues the savage mind to learn its sympathy. Mm. So, uh, so they didn't kill the baby right away. Or, right. Yeah. It's very dramatic. Even though they were savages. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we'll um, go down to Bridgewater, Massachusetts, sacred to the memory of Mr. Ebenezer Noyes. Died August 1832, aged 37 years old. Come hither, mortals, cast an eye, then go your way, prepare to die. Come read this doom, for die you must. One day, like me, return to dust. Mm. So that's the very similar to what you would find, you know, with the death's heads and the skulls on the gravestones back in the day as well. Again, just reminding you that it didn't matter if you were feeling healthy and well, that yep. death could come for you at any time. And he chose that? I mean, I know it's in first person, but that doesn't necessarily mean. No, and, and you'll find that a, a lot of gravestones, <coughs> as they started to have more and more word, wordy carvings in the 1700s, were usually commissioned by families, and yeah. sometimes it might have even been the church as well. Are there ones that repeat? Were there, there's a what, lot. Was there a catalog? Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot that repeat. Um, stranger cast an eye, uh, 
follow me and prepare to die. That's a, a very common one out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the one that I was uh, talking about a little bit earlier, and it commemorates the death of a man. It's located in South Kingston, Rhode Island. It still stands there. And um, this happened in January uh, 1751, and it's marked on all the sides. This pillar is erected to the memory of William Jackson of Virginia, who was murdered upon this spot by ship captain Thomas Carter of Newport, Rhode Island, who having been shipwrecked and rendered penniless thereby and being overtaken by Mr. Jackson, who also being on his way north, furnished him with money and the use of a horse on the way, having arrived at the point that is indicated by this pillar. Carter then robbed and murdered this kind and confiding benefactor with a dagger about the hour of midnight, January 1st, 1751, and was tried and convicted of his crime at the village of Tower Hill, April 4th, 1751, and was hung in chains upon a gibbet. Gibbet. A gibbet. May 10th, 1751, at the eastern foot of the public highway, where the shrieking, as it were, of its change during boisterous winds at night were the terror of many persons who lived thereto or passed thereby, one of these being the late Governor George Brown of Boston Neck, who told this writer that such had been the case when he was a youth while on his way to the residence of college, Tom Hazard, that he had visited every week. It appears that Carter threw Jackson in the narrow river at that time and committed this murder, and that a Negro found him therein and near the abandoned gibbet a wayside innkeeper, Mrs. Nash, who lived about 10 miles westward from Tower Hill, happening to be at this village at the time when the body was found, she recognized it as that being of Jackson by means of a button that she had sewn upon his vest only a few hours before he left her house, and that Captain Carter was with him. Carter was therefore tried, arrested, and condemned and executed accordingly. So um, this was erected in 1889 uh, by Joseph Peace Hazard. Again, we, we think of, you know, gibbets as being something out of, you know, pirate movies. Yeah. But that is, I mean, there's what a... What is a gibbet? So, uh, essentially, it's it's a cage oh. uh, the size of your body, and you would be put in this cage oh, yeah, and yeah. just hung there. Wow. Un- until you died. God. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very primitive, and there's a lot of stories um, of that in Rhode Island. Wow. What what a horrible way to go. Yeah, can you imagine? But I mean indeed he, he was days. he was a murderer. Yeah. So you know, I guess that they believed was just punishment for him. Yeah. And windy nights hearing him screaming, I mean you imagine? Yeah. You know there's gotta be a ghost story there. Yeah. Yeah. So that is um that is in Kingston, Rhode Island. That's a pretty long story too. It's on it's so it's on four sides of this big obelisk. So each side continues. Is it the, engraved the in? Story. It is engraved. Yeah. Yeah. Big marble, marble uh, blisk. Yeah. Which is, uh, again, very, very cool. Of course, we went down um, to see the grave of H.P. Lovecraft. Of course, a lot of people love Lovecraft. And it, he's buried in Providence, Rhode Island. It simply says on his gravestone, I am Providence. <laughs> of course, would you expect anything yep. less? Um, let's see. We'll go... We'll do a couple more, and then we'll um, we'll take a break and come back. But let's see. All right. So since we're we're down in Rhode Island, we'll go over to Newport. This one is um, is a, a, a little bit long, but um, very 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 sweet in, in in one way or another. Here lieth entombed the body of Abigail, wife of Mister George Wanton, who dies May twelfth, seventeen twenty six, in the twenty eighth year of her age having left five pledges of her love. If tears, alas, could speak a husband's woe, my verse would straight in plaintive numbers flow. Or if such a great loss deplored in vain, could solace so my throbbing heart from pain. Then would I, O sad consolation, choose to soothe my cureless grief, a private muse. But since thy well, they know thy piety demons, Mm. a public monument at George's hands. O Abigail, I dedicate this tomb Thou dearest half of poor forsaken me. Oh, wow. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. All right, and we'll I do... love letter runner. It is. Yeah. I'm 1726. Mm-hmm. And we'll, um, we'll do one more also from the same cemetery in Newport, Rhode Island. In memory of Mrs. Anne, the wife of Captain Jonathan Clark, who resigned this transitory life the 29th of January, 1764, in the 61-year of her age. This stone is erected to the memory who departed this life 
Tender parent, kind master, remember, Lord, our immortal state. How frail our life, how mort the date. Where is the man that draws his breath, safe from disease and secure from mm. death? Wow. Back in the day. Yep. So maybe. Well, they had time. <laughs> they, they, they did indeed. So um, what we'll do is um, we're going to take a quick break. Lou's going to ponder what's on his gravestone. <laughs> and um, we will be back in uh, just a brief moment. You're listening to Wicked Curious. Don't go away. For the best and curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities, located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history with author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour. Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002, highly respected and thoroughly entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook. Greetings to you, traveler. My name is Roxy Swicker, and you may have heard of me being referred to as Maine's Mystery Maven, or even New England's Scary Godmother. Creativity and curiosity are in my blood, always has been and is a way of life, and I really want to share my creative projects with you. Just under 20 years ago, I began New England Curiosities, a tour and event company based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And for the past 15 years, I've been serving the seacoast of New Hampshire as a metaphysical instructor and reader. Two of the things on my path that I've committed to are helping to empower spiritual seekers and to share stories from and with curious folks. I know that community is powerful and we can create so much together. One of my projects is Wicked Curious Radio, a radio show that asks, you are wicked curious, aren't you? And also The Woodland Alchemy, which is a film that brings its viewers to a place of imagination, the unknown, and the mysterious. If you would like to help keep these projects afloat and keep us moving forward, you can check us out on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Zwicker, you can find all of the magical things that we are doing. You can check out all the different levels of subscription and join us on our journey. So again, it's patreon.com slash Zwicker, R-O-X-I-E-Z-W-I-C-K-E-R. And we thank you so much for joining our curious journey. Welcome back to Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities. Perhaps you were finding us on Facebook Live, maybe 102.9 FM HD2, maybe anytalks.net, or perhaps you're listening to us in podcast form. We're, nice. we're out there on iTunes, SoundCloud, Buzzsprout, and of course there is an opportunity for you to just simply hit the subscribe button, and what that'll do is let you know uh, when our latest episodes are up, because you definitely don't want to miss an episode of the strange things that we find ourselves talking about. <laughs> and of course you can also help support the show on Patreon as well, and um, of course we are coming into the planning for next year. I'm just about to uh, send out my newsletter, which is going to have a whole series of classes and information about things to do. Um, Ron and I from the Ghost Project talking about dining with the dead. Mm -hmm. We're also talking about doing another investigation um, over at the South Meeting House in nice. Portsmouth yeah. coming in uh, February or March. So people always ask, well, how come now when I went to buy tickets for that event, it's almost sold out? 
because we have so many newspaper newsletter subscribers yep. that as soon as we announce these, sometimes they pop in and get tickets. So if you want to be first in the know, and who doesn't want to be first in the know, make sure that you subscribe to our newsletter. And um, another thing that had gotten me thinking about um, gravestones and epitaphs too is I actually just got uh, an email over the weekend from a library in Washington, New Hampshire, which is like way, way up there. And um, they are looking to book a walk and a talk at their library. Um, a walk so and a talk. walk and a talk at their library. So it's kind of cool. Some of our cemeteries here in New England are next to libraries. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is I'll go in and actually do the talk and then go out into the cemetery or burial ground oh. and then talk about the symbolism and I'll do a little research on some of the people that are buried there. I was going to say, what do you know about the history of uh, Washington, New Hampshire? I'm about to find out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly in, in my backyard, but um, what I do know in, um, in Washington, New Hampshire, uh, it's actually in my New Hampshire Book of the Dead, is Captain Samuel Jones. Um, he was actually uh, from New York and he was spending some time in Washington, New Hampshire, and he was helping to build a house. And as he was helping to build the house, the house shifted and his leg got pinned between the house and one of the supports. Yep. And the only way to get him out was to cut off his leg. No. So they no. cut off his leg and they buried it in the cemetery in Washington. And there's actually a gravestone that says, here lies Captain Samuel Jones' leg. And he went back to New York and that's where the rest of him is. Really? So his leg is in Washington, New Hampshire, and the rest of him is buried in New York. This is a gravestone and everything? Of course it's a gravestone and everything. Here lies Captain did, Samuel Jones's leg. Did they do that with body parts? Is that typical? They, they, they chose to do it with his leg. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. So um, I actually have a picture of that gravestone in my um, New Hampshire Book of the Dead. We went to check it out. So we have been to Washington, and that's my favorite story from their graveyard, which I'm sure you know they, they all know very well. It's kind of like the big claim to fame they there. They speak French up there? How, how far up is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's a... It's a it's a good ride. Um, it's kind of like northwestern New Hampshire. So, okay. yep. um, if you head like out towards Peterborough and go north, yeah, it's it's up in in that section. <laughs> and um, we went specifically out there to to find <laughs> to, to find his leg, which is very <laughs> we went out there well, <laughs> kind of to find his leg. Yep. Um, to to find that gravestone, and um, it's just it you just you never know. It's very very cool. Right. Um. So yeah. So there's there were other gravestones well, there. You there. Go. There's your closing story right there. There's my closing story right yep. there. Yep. Captain Samuel Jones's leg. Yep. Um. One of the things that we did notice that they had in the gravestones in Washington, which I think a lot of people don't know is you could actually order your gravestone from the Sears catalog back in the day. It was, the gravestones were made out of zinc. Really? Yep, back in the late 1800s. So um, they, you know, just very basic templates of, you know, and they were hollow too, of what you wanted. And you would, you know, send off the name and the dates and all of that. And then they would ship it to you. So, yeah, so you actually used to be able to order them from the catalog, which is pretty cool. Wow. Yep, you know, those were the days, right? So I don't know if Amazon's onto that just yet. <laughs> but, but that might be a, a whole uh, whole another form of business for them. Wow, why not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, you can you can you can order anything. Yeah. Now. I mean, ev everything. I'm just trying to picture people at that time ordering it from the Sears catalog. You think they sat around and you know said, well, you know, I'm guessing th th every this is what Aunt Edna would have wanted. I'm just guessing every area had a gravestone guy. No, they yeah. they actually. I mean, well, I mean, think of you know, like an isolated town like Washington. Yeah. I mean, it, there's not a whole lot going on there, and you know, most of most of your gravestones were were carved in very central locations. Like a lot of gravestones were carved in Boston that we have in in Portsmouth. Some were carved in England that we have up there. So they make their way around. Not yeah. every community had a carver. Well, you know, Portsmouth has a lot of ships. So I could see the English thing, but sure. So someone would buy a gravestone. They'd go. Like from Boston to Portsmouth? Oh, absolutely. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Um, over I just assumed there was a guy in town who knew how to, in, in, you know, some town locally that knew how to engrave granite or whatever. Well, some were, were entire families where it would be, you know, the father, son, it's everybody would do. steady work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so in Boston, you had the Lampson family of stone carvers, father and son, and you'll find stones carved by them in York Kittery, Portsmouth, wow. and you can tell some of them are actually signed, so they would really? hide on the gravestone. You have to really get up and look at it very closely, and they would hide their initials somewhere in the design work. Oh, so I see. We, yeah. we have one in um, the Point of Graves, and there's a tiny, tiny CL on it, 
and it stands for Caleb Lampson. Oh. And his style of carving is very specific. But a few stones over, we have another gravestone, which came from Boston. And uh, it was very deeply researched because the amount of fine detail that's on that stone, um, the angels that are holding the urn, and it's a stone from um, 1689. Mm -hmm. um, The angels have eyelashes and fingers and rope skirts. I mean, you can, I mean, it's, it's like smaller than my fingernail. And it was actually carved by a silversmith in Boston who picked up gravestone carving as an additional form of income. Yeah. So it wasn't just people that were stone carvers as a profession, but also people from different communities who would pick it up and do it as well. So, of course, that's why we have such a variety of stones. Like we have a variety that's known as the Merrimack Valley type of stone really? that would have been carved in, you know, Methuen or Haverhill. And we have a couple of those in Portsmouth. They had a particular style? They or? had a particular style. Um, some of them would have... Uh, what is described as a moon face is a lot of them in Bradford in the old cemetery in Bradford on the hill and um, they were just a circular face they almost look very Celtic in design which some people wonder if there's that bit of an influence on them Um, and just very very simplified line work that's on them and um, it's known as Merrimack Valley style of carving interesting yeah so we've got yeah we've got one at the point of grave so there's all it's it's very interesting when you go from community to community and you see some similarities and then you, some things you see like you you've never seen before, um, like in uh, Newburyport, there's a gentleman who is uh, carving gravestones down there. His name's escaping me right now, and he used to rather than carving a death's head, he would carve the person's head, and then in the carving, carve the blade of a scythe around their neck to symbolize that they were taken by death. And I mean, it was yeah. hugely, hugely dramatic. Yeah. Because, you know, 1700s, you typically, early 1700s didn't depict people on a gravestone, but he would depict their face and then the cut around their neck. And a he likeness even, or just a face, a generic face? Yeah. Who's to say? Who's to say, Who's right? to say? Yeah. We, we don't know. Well, did it vary? Um, did it did, fa- it did vary. vary? Each, yeah. yeah, each face was different. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it may have just been his choice to vary the faces. Maybe there were some characteristics that were similar to the people that were buried. Yeah. But he really and pushed... a little emoji for the guy on the grave? <laughs> a little personalized emoji? Well, you know, it's funny you say that. There probably are some gravestones out I'll there bet. with emojis. I bet there are. Yeah. Um, emojis of the time. Anyway. They, they, yeah. yeah. I know. And what are people going to think 100 years from now? Yeah. Um, oh, you mean now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On, on gravestones. Yeah. Sure. You know. Yeah. You never know. Um, this guy, though, really pushed the envelope. And um, in Newport, he carved one gravestone with God on it. It actually has... Um, God with his arms outstretched. I have, I actually have it um, in this book. Yep. I went down to uh, to see it when I was writing um, Haunted Cemeteries in New England, and it was considered blasphemous really? at the time. Yeah, it's you know God with a big beard and he's presiding over the clouds and he has his arms open and I mean couldn't it, do that back then. You, you could, there was God had no form. You could not oh, carve them yeah. on a gravestone. We could not take the image of God, particularly in the 18th century, right. and put it on a gravestone. So. Um, he he has some very very interesting takes on on imagery and it was you know again very unique to him but you'll only find those stones in Newport Rhode Island right. because that's where he was right. so it's um, it's fascinating to see and then you'll see some I wonder how long something like that would take for him to do to carve to carve a gravestone to, yeah carve a gravestone with God in it a piece of art like that I mean it's 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 really beautiful it's quite huge I'm sure it probably took at least a couple of months to yeah. do and it's very well rendered I mean it is definitely beautiful mm-hmm. um it's funny i've gone to some cemeteries and looked at gravestones and you can tell they were inspired by more of you know the fine gravestone carvers but this was you know like the the dollar store edition yeah. dare yeah. i say yeah <laughs> so you can you can see you appreciated the app but couldn't replicate it <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. so um it's it's just funny and that's why you have such a variety of gravestones in the barrel grounds you know some with epitaph some without um some with scroll lines some with prices some with signatures i mean there's such a variety prices yeah they put the price on have you been um in lowell you have the beautiful garden cemetery there on the bottom of the gravestones some of them say two dollars and it's actually written out t-w-o dollars on it that's how much this gravestone. That's costs? how much the gravestone costs. Oh. So, so you know, if you're you're at the gravestone shop and you're on a budget for grandma, <laughs> you're like, all right, well, I got two dollars to spend. Wow. So, well, advertising. There's advertising everywhere. <laughs> I, like I, I gravestone so. pop-up ads. 
yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, the funny thing about that is, though, technically, you're really not supposed to see what's on the bottom of a gravestone because, you know, a good oh. quarter to a third of the gravestone is supposed to be in the ground. Right. To be able to, you know, hold up yep. the whole tablet. Makes sense. So, you know, what happens is, you know, you know frost heaves, erosion, gophers, all of that stuff. Yep. It wears it away, so now you can see a lot of the bottoms. Oh, so those prices weren't intended to be visible. It it, it depends on it depends yeah. on the carver. Um, so there, we have one in um in Portsmouth, um, it's, I think it's seventeen oh five, and it has a thirteen, which is just below the bottom line of the carving. It's in the corner, and I believe that was um you know probably the price. the price thirteen shillings back in the day, mm-hmm. um because it has no meaning on the gravestone whatsoever. But if the the dirt was up just a little bit, you wouldn't be able to see it. Right. But it's just down in the corner. No, you know, no dollar signs. Just the number thirteen. So um, it's it's always kind of cool to see, like yeah. um, the practice scrolls that you have down there, or sometimes gravestones have been turned upside down. That's because it went wrong, and they turned it upside down and started mm. to go over again. Well, well, once again, it depends yeah. on where you are in New England. Yeah. So if you went to Copse Hill burying ground in Boston, they were consciously pulling the gravestones out and turning them upside down and reusing them or carving over the stones themselves and putting another name on them. Cops Hill was, was notorious for, um, you know, misuse of stones and graves and mismanagement. They had so many issues that are there. So when you go and visit the cemetery, if you look at, um, you know, some of the older gravestones, like late 1600s, you can see one name carved over another on some of the gravestones that are on the front of tombs that How are How does there. that happen? Do they level it off and then go again? Or, yeah, they, you know? they, would, they would chip it all out yep. and then flatten it and then carve over on top of it. But you can still make out yeah. you know, some of the edges of the letters and some of the old numbers. that were, There was one in, um, in particular where they changed the date on it but you know, left the you know, 19 that was still there or you know, 18 that was still there yeah. and um, just changed the last two numbers. <laughs> And it and it was a mistake. They were reusing the graves. They were reusing the coffins. Um, it was it was a little reusing bit of mayhem. The coffins. Yeah, yeah wow. they were reusing the coffins. A woman yeah. was maybe uh, they were all on lease plans for the gravestone and the coffin. No <laughs> lease plan. Whoa. Yeah, well, you know, um, <laughs> they, there was a woman who had reported to the city of Boston back in the day, and you know, this was I want to say early eighteen hundreds, that she was going to Copsdale burying ground, and you know religiously visiting her relative and noticed one day at the edge of the burial ground was a pile of coffins covered in dirt and hair and skin fragments and she believed that the coffins were being reused and they went and checked it out and grave diggers were being paid to dig up the coffins and they were reselling them and they found that they had taken all of the bodies and thrown them in a hole and covered them up with dirt so they could reuse the coffins and the stones oh yeah yeah can you, can you imagine? No. Just, you know, you're you're you know at a gravestone and you're looking over and you're like, oh my god, there were just people in there. Yeah. And well, s- still parts of people in there. Yeah. Hanging out in the coffin. Going to a cemetery at a gravesite. Hey, wasn't Uncle Joe buried there? <laughs> <laughs> Thought he was here. And then using using the coffin again for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's um, it, it's funny and that's why every cemetery or every you know particularly old burying grounds have so much to offer. Because there's so many things that have happened, you know, between the times those burial grounds were full mm-hmm. to sometimes when they decided to reuse them or, you know, where the bounds of those cemeteries are. You know, we, we look at them and we see, you know, they're enclosed in fences and gates. But time and time again, when they do, you know, GPR, ground penetrating radar, it reveals that there are people that are outside the yep. fence or outside the boundaries of these burial grounds. And... Um, that's why, you know, whenever I step into a place, I'm like, hmm, like, I don't think this is all it. Like, Point of Graves, right. I don't think that's all it. Well, there's a cemetery in Newburyport. It's near Old Hill, mm-hmm. but it's not Old Hill, or maybe they were connected. I don't know, but it had the topography of it is weird, where there's like a lower level down a hill mm-hmm. that you can't access anymore. And it's like, I don't know, was this all fill on top of it? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what the heck happened? Because it looks kind of disjointed. There's no way to get there, mm-hmm. but you look down and you see graves there. Yeah, I know. Um, I know which cemetery you're talking about. And I can't think of the name of it, but Ken and I had taken a ride through it, and we thought it was really odd. Yeah, like it. It did. It. Who, I couldn't tell who mapped it, or was it a different yeah. cemetery that was 
Oh, you're just walking out. Family cemetery. Look down a hill, and there's three or four graves down there, and it's like no way to get there. It's all overgrown Mm -hmm. and everything. And so, you know, what happened here? Yeah, and who are those people? Who are those people? Yeah, and and why? It's funny. Certain certain cemeteries too will go in, and you'll find there are sections that aren't maintained, and that's sometimes because it's a different cemetery entirely. And and Portsmouth is is famous for that with our our largest cemetery. It's actually six different cemeteries in one. Like one is the city, one was a church, one was privately owned. To this like, day, it's still that way. To this day, way. it's still it's yeah. it's it's very disjointed. So you'll go through, but um, they're connected. It looks like they're one all piece of the, property. Yeah, they're all on the same property. Yeah. And then you have the section of the cemetery that was used for people that were hung. Then you've got the pauper's burial ground, and it's all it's all the same same grounds, mm-hmm. but just different sections that are there. And there's nothing to tell you on the grounds themselves. That you know you're going from One the proprietor side to, another, yeah. to you know Harmony Grove to Sagamore, um, you know to the family cemetery that's there. So it's all kind of mixed. Yeah, um, and that's actually a cemetery. A lot of people have gotten in touch with me over the years that are trying to do genealogy. It's just so big, mm-hmm. and they'll say, "Can you help me find you know my ancestor's grave? This is where it's supposed to be, but I don't even know where to begin." That cemetery in Newburyport had. And I know you've probably seen more, mm. but one of the things that struck me about it is it had an almost separate section that was lined by trees, mm. but you could walk into it that was like a family plot. Mm-hmm. But it was the Mosley family, which is one of the more prominent families in the city's history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, big center stone and all the stones around it, but it was kind of separated off, but not separated mm-hmm. on the same property. But, you know, just kind of they built this cathedral's too strong, but they just built a separate area. And it was just fascinating to see mm-hmm. that whole family. And again, when you go into the cemeteries, you know this. You see, okay, well, that's where that name comes from. You know, whether oh, whether yeah. it be a street, whether mm-hmm. it be a house or whatever, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, it's this family. Yeah, Portsmouth has the the same Parks, thing. Yeah, with there's a an amazing um, grove of cedar trees, and you almost can't see it. But I mean, you walk through these trees, which are huge now, and you go inside, and there's a clearing, and there's like. Um, four table stones right. that are there for one specific family. And again, just driving by, you wouldn't know that it's right there in the center. Yeah, because uh, they the build cemetery. it. They do a, it's probably landscaping when they do the trees originally, but they've mm-hmm. grown so big at this point, it's, it's like almost like in the woods. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. Um, and, and that's, you know, and that's why I always tell people, you know, that cemeteries are, are always much more than, than meets the eye. And um, in York, York, Maine, they just found behind town hall two septembers ago that while the cemetery is on the other side of the parking lot it's a victorian cemetery they found 99 people in the yard at town hall yeah and nobody knew they were there it was only because they were gpring because the the church in the town were trying to figure out um boundaries and and finances and all of that it was a very complex story and they found there was 100 people they didn't know were buried because right there. they just assumed the land and right washed away the gravestones not washed away but basically stripped it of its right right know, cemetery so it wasn't it wasn't until recently that they're like oh my god there's 100 people right there on the lawn so i hate to hit you this out of the blue yeah what's going on these days about cemeteries in terms of are there qr codes are there <laughs> Not to be a way you could get an app and just hear about the person, get a little taste of. Is anyone doing any of that? Any any of kind of the 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 modern like video camera messages from from beyond? Yeah, maybe a website somewhere, and you do the QR code on a. (laughs) You got the get to learn about this person. You get to watch a video of them. Yeah, Um, might be a whole new line of business. well, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, we're such an app-driven world. It would make sense. Well, why aren't you inventing this in your spare time? I <laughs> Maybe mean, I just did. You're sitting I just assumed your, people were doing it. <laughs> you're, you're sitting on a gold mine. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, the latest thing that you know I've I've seen largely with gravestones is again a lot of the laser, laser cutting, engraving. a lot of color, a lot of portraits of people that have passed, and that to me. Well, when you're doing a laser, you can do a decent portrait, right? right. Yeah. So w- when um, we go through cemeteries and we go through new ones too, not just old ones, and we're riding through, and like you see, like big images of the people that are buried there, and particularly you know if they're people that have passed like in their twenties yeah. or kids, like. Yeah. That honestly, and and you know, I'm spooky ghost tour lady. That spooks me out to see, you know, that yeah, there's s- someone that young and there's their face right there. This weekend, it's funny you say that. I saw one this weekend about a kid, and I don't know if it was a memory, and they would it was an anniversary of it or mm. whatever. But they had the kid's gravestone, and it looked like a 
looked like a NASCAR car. Yeah. It's like it had like a Patriots logo oh, there yeah. and you know, engraved in and, mm-hmm. and things like that. All the things he liked and was involved in. Yep, and and that is something that you'll you'll see all all the time now. Um, in fact, believe it or not, there was a um, a gravestone cut and designed of SpongeBob for a child, SpongeBob SquarePants, and um, there was some legality issues over it, and they had to they had to take it off the grave yeah. um, because of copyright. And Nickelodeon then Nickelodeon had their issues. Yeah, yeah sure. And why then not? they yeah. they had to fight it. To put it back, I mean, it was a grave of a child. I, I don't even think they were ten years old. Yeah, and they had to to fight it to put it back on the grave I, for the I mean, child. I understand the copyright, but I, 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 yeah, it's although by the same token, the engraver is making money by. Oh, of course they doing are copyrighted material. Yeah, and it, it yeah. beautiful stone. It was huge. I can only imagine what it cost. But yeah, you'll see. Um, you so know, like is is there a gravestone? Is there a Disney gravestone division? <laughs> no, you bring up I mean, that's this is the real world, right? No, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I mean, um, people would want to put Mickey on a gravestone. Can they do it? People have. Does I Disney mean, they, license it out. I mean, they they you'll see. Do you have to go to an authorized Disney <laughs> gravestone person? Say representative, you call. You have to pay a fee. Um, it doesn't. Se- it doesn't seem outlandish. No, it do- it doesn't seem outlandish. I we mean, off at Disney. It true. Um, yeah. Pixar. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen so many gravestones with, you know, the Boston Red Sox logo on it, Patriots logos yeah. on it. I, I don't think that they're no, paying so. a licensing fee to yeah. put them on the gravestones. I think that would be in the same type of category as Disney as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, well, you— Disney is a business based on intellectual property. The, true. The Red Sox not, not necessarily— well, the Patriots aren't. Well, they I, can they look the other way on a logo on a gravestone. Yeah, I, I, I suppose that's yeah. true. I guess, I, you know, I guess it depends on. But by the same token, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something afoot there. I really wouldn't be. Really? Yeah. Um, I ha- I haven't run into that, but it doesn't mean that I guess it doesn't happen yeah. out there. Um, I would I would think that put a Red Sox logo up on your site, see what happens. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Get a letter. From the no, Red I'm Sox. okay. I'm yeah. totally okay with that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you'll you'll notice that a lot of the gravestones today are, you know, they're much much more personal. I mean, we've got one in um, uh, in the South Cemetery, and it has uh, lyrics to a Guns N' Roses song, and it has this huge um, electric guitar that's carved on it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think this young man died in his twenties, somewhere in the late nineteen nineties, and you know, it's there. Yep. So, you know, song lyrics you see so much on, on more modern-day gravestones that are out there. I mean, I, I guess is that a— yeah, And ASCAP and BNMI are pretty tenacious, so <laughs> maybe they've had a chat with somebody. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe they have. Maybe it's just not worth going after these people. But um, Yeah, you would think. You would think. Now, I think, you know, kind of going down the road that you proposed, if, you know, in modern times somebody wanted to— you know, push a button and play their favorite song. I think that might be an issue. Yeah. Um, versus having the, the lyrics carved. But on, you could on a laser stone. carve a, a QR code in there. Just scan it. And you could. Brings it to a website, and maybe you get a little memorial website with a few photos and a brief story. And I mean, that would be kind of interesting. It'd be kind of weird, though, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't it be kind of strange? How is it any different than the, these people telling a story about a guy whose house fell on? Oh, I don't. Well, no, true, but um, I don't. I mean, is that Something that I don't know the person themselves would have filmed before they died. You know, hi, it's Joe. I'm dead now, but thanks for visiting my well, grave, and I hope you and your family are but well. But you go to a wake now, right? And there's a mm-hmm. slideshow. True. Normally, yeah, they've got some photos out and, and some things. I mean, it's not necessarily. I'm not talking a documentary, right? I'm talking, you know, some photos of the guy. And I don't know. Would you Would you want the guy speaking? Would you want a clip of you not know necessar- the no. Or, you know, a clip of his wedding or yeah, a party that he was at. Yeah, a couple photos in his obituary. And even obituaries are kind of going by the wayside, aren't they? Obituaries are really going by the wayside right yeah. now. Um, a lot of them are much more statements about, you know, how the person died and, you know, how to how to be aware of that for yourself. Particularly, we see that a lot with yeah, people that, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. That would just be, st- I mean, imagine you could go up to every, every gravestone and just, get their story from each one i mean yeah you'd be in the cemetery for hours for days <laughs> i can't even i was gonna ask you is that something you'd partake in you saw a well, of, co- of course i would absolutely yeah. i i i would um yeah i just can't even imagine how that that would work 
just for okay. you. Okay, so I think I'd yeah. select a Douglas Adams quote as we. Oh, okay. As we end here. Oh, so what? What do you got? Uh, Douglas Adams wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and okay. some other stories, and he was a terrific writer and uh, one of the best guys with comedic timing in print mm. I've ever read. Okay. And uh, one of his characters, he described one of his characters as he attacked everything in life with a mix of extraordinary genius and naive incompetence, and it was often difficult to tell which was which. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's yeah. pretty good. That's his main character in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's how he described him. So there you go. There's there's Lou's epitaph right yep. there. Or or his centigraph. If, oh, if, my centigraph. Because he's going to be floating down the And then the I'll river. be going after everybody else. Great. <laughs> 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 On the way out. On the way out. Yeah. Um, well, thank you to everybody that was um, in, in our chat room here. Um, and yes, I hope you all have... A wonderful Yuletide and winter solstice. We will be back um, next week with our holiday show. It'll be our, our last show before the holidays and we prepare for the new year. So you can check us out at newlandcuriosities.com, see what's going on, and we'll be back next week. We remind you to always stay wicked curious. <laughs>